Welcome to Bible Believers Fellowship and the ministry of bbfohio.com. I'm Pastor Greg, and I welcome you to our current events update and then our study in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15, titled, Stand Fast. The conclusion of this study can be found at bbfohio.com as we now begin part one of two. The current events update. Israel at war. We're going to have this probably every week till the Lord comes back. Could be. Hopefully that's soon. 11-22-23 is the date of this update, just for reference. The four-day pause and hostage exchange. It's still kind of, you know, not happening yet. This was the last that I uh, received an update for, and then what it said five minutes ago, but it was earlier, uh, a couple hours ago. Israel-Hamas war, IDF cannot confirm when fighting will stop as sides agree four-day ceasefire and release of 50 hostages, 50 uh, Jewish hostages, um, some of whom are Americans. And uh, they have a couple of hundred of those. Uh, as always, the Palestinians are demanding three or four times that many of their own prisoners to be released, among other concessions. And Israel's always given way more than the Palestinians when it comes to these things they have over the years. It'll be, it'll be a good thing that those 50, uh, you know, are released, obviously, but could, could have some very bad results. This is explained here. Well, my biggest worry, first and foremost, is that you, you can't trust anything Hamas says. <clears throat> They're Iran, and basically, when you speak to Hamas, you speak to Iran. And you can't trust any of them. Uh, that's the first problem. The second problem is when Israel pauses, it gives Hamas the ability to relocate with wherever they are in Gaza. Um, it gives them time to move the rest of the hostages. And this is something everybody needs to realize is that when you make bargains with bad guys to get hostages and they still have more hostages, um, you may actually be causing more problems because you're losing leverage on the enemy. And that's my worry. I mean, I'm happy that they're getting these 50 people out. There's no doubt about that's 50 lives saved. But at the same time, there's still a massive amount of hostages there and uh, an incredible number of Hamas fighters that are tactically going to use this five-day pause to their advantage. Yeah, so that's what they've always done. There's a track record, the entire history of dealing with any of these Muslim terror groups. That's, that's what they do. They will use it to their advantage. They will, they're dishonest about it. The claim now is that Israel orchestrated the Hamas rape and slaughter in order to empty Gaza. How many of you heard that? Um, this statement is being misconstrued from a response to a motive. Israel is talking about clearing the place out for their security, but there's, people are saying that that was the motive all along of this whole thing happening. It's just crazy. Uh, Jerusalem Post uh, put, this is an article that's being quoted. Another option is promote, uh, to promote the voluntary resettlement of Palestinians in Gaza for humanitarian reasons outside of the Strip. That's the reason given by Israel. It's important that those who seek a life elsewhere be provided with that opportunity. Some world leaders are already discussing a worldwide refugee settlement scheme. 
and saying they would welcome Gazans to their countries. I haven't seen that. Have you seen that? No. So uh, that to me seems like uh, wishful thinking, whoever's saying that. But then um, there's this thing called the Ben-Gurion Canal that would run from the Strip uh, down into uh, the uh, below the Negev and not into the Mediterranean, but I'm having trouble with it. remember what that is just called, the Gulf of Aqaba or something like that. And But also, recently, they discovered natural gas and oil uh, under Gaza. And so those that's what people are saying. Israel allowed this to happen in order to instigate this, to clean the area so they can get at that natural gas and oil, and then they can put in the canal. And... Uh, there's a couple of examples. Is the Ben-Gurion Canal the real reason for the Israel-Gaza war? And then Gaza has billions in oil and gas. Now you know why the bombs are falling. So that's the kind of stuff that you're going to start seeing. You know, the Holocaust didn't happen. The Jews rule the world. You know, all that stuff. There you go. There's a couple more to throw in the pile. In reality, this is the only way to remove the threat against Israel. So it makes sense that Israel would want to do this for security reasons. Um, it's like if we had a real president and not a brain-dead reprobate resident, then he would close the border because that's in our national interest. And so um, could Israel succeed in removing Palestinians from Gaza regardless of the motive? Not likely. Why do I say that? Bible prophecy. I just don't see that kind of thing happening. But if it did happen, don't throw your Bibles away. <laughs> because it just, it just means that makes what happens in Ezekiel 38 make that much more sense. Go to Ezekiel 38.8. Why are they going to come down on Israel? For a spoil. Well, what was there before gas and oil was discovered? Nothing to spoil, unless you want to, you know, live in underground tunnels. But now, there's something to spoil. So it still seems to be setting the stage for the Gog-Magog conflict at some point. But you can't blame Israel for the attempt to do this, since it's, uh, this is the goal of the mass majority of those living in Gaza right here, is to destroy Israel and to just destroy the Jews. So you can't blame those in Israel saying, you know what, if we want to have peace and security, we've got to clear this area out. And they're going to have to do the same thing with the West Bank, by the way. And they're probably going to have to then go up into Lebanon and clear out Hezbollah and put a buffer up there, too, if they want security. Number two, other headlines as the world continues to slide downhill, by the way. The corruption of the human genome. How many of you know that Noah and his family appear to be the only family left on earth who had not been infected with the, uh, the DNA of the fallen angels having sexual intercourse with the daughters of men? Of course, there's a lot of Christians who don't believe what they read in the Bible. But if you just believe what it says, the sons of God came into the daughters of men, go to Job 1, Job 2, uh, elsewhere you'll find that sons of God in that uh, context in the Old Testament was angels. And so what happened in Noah's day is what Jesus said would happen when? Yes. 
as it was in the days of Noah. What happened in the days of Noah? The corruption of the human genome. Yep. What is happening now? Here's just one example. They've now began using CRISPR therapy, as it's called. Um, the UK regulators have approved the use of CRISPR therapy called Cascavy to treat two inherited blood disorders, one of which is sickle cell anemia. Terrible diseases, and we feel for people with that, but this is a, uh, this is a dangerous thing they're doing. Um, they've approved it. It's called gene editing is what it is. Gene editing. It's, you've heard of uh, the food being bioengineered. Well, that's food. That's bad enough. Now they're going to be doing it to human beings. They've been doing it to animals, and I believe they've already been doing it to human beings. Yeah. I, I'll tell you this. I won't be surprised we stand up on uh, or while we're observing the great white throne judgment and all those Planned Parenthood people who are Christ-rejecting murderers are going to stand and be uh, condemned to an everlasting lake of fire. And while they're being judged, it'll be exposed that they purposely took human babies and used them to perform that kind of thing. Yeah. You, you'll see it. Great White Throne. It's a historic decision to approve Cascavy may signal the start of a new era of gene therapy. Of course, that's what the whole COVID shots, the new flu shots, mRNA, and all that. It's all messing with God's creation. Um, however, they even admit questions remain surrounding the treatment's affordability and its long-term safety. Guinea pigs. And we continue to see people dropping dead, having... Uh, what they call super cancers and all that from the COVID shots, which are messing with the human DNA. And now you got this. How many of you remember Pizzagate? That is not a restaurant, um, but it was at a pizza restaurant where this was supposed to happen, where it was involved in the whole uh, sex trafficking thing. This is one of the guys who supposedly debunked Pizzagate. He's now been charged with two counts of child pornography. Of course he debunked Pizzagate because he was in on it. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to find more and more of these politicians and journalists, in quotes, who debunked Pizzagate are just like this guy. Wow. The former editor-in-chief of news website The Recount, Slade Sommer is his name, was found with hundreds of images and videos depicting child sexual abuse, including at least one video he produced himself, according to the Berkshire District Attorney's Office. Investigators said in the official court documents that they found harrowing footage showing boys as young... I'm not going to go on. It's nasty, it's disgusting, it's wicked, it's, it's as it was in the days of Lot. <laughs> That's what that is. And uh, like Yobi, Yogi is his name, not Yobi. Yogi Bear said it's like deja vu all over again. How many of you ever know that? Mm -hmm. um, that's a joke. It's funny, but I'll explain it later if you don't get it. Mystery pneumonia tears through schools in China with many, many hospitalized in eerie echo of early days of COVID. Here we go again. Yes. One rock band said, I can't remember which one saying that. Mystery pneumonia spreading in schools in Liaoning province, out just uh, like a county 
or region. I don't know if they call them provinces, counties, whatever outside of Beijing. This is from uh, ProMed, International Society for Infectious Diseases. They're hospitalizing all these people with pneumonia. But, read down there at the bottom, I just blew up there for you. They don't cough and they have no symptoms. That's crazy. What happened with COVID? They were all these people who were being put on intubators and they weren't even needing them. It's just, it's just a big scam. Of course, there's, there's, there's going to be one here, one there that does need it. And that excuses the other 90% that don't need it. They're doing that with the whole psych med thing. About 10% of people on psych meds need the help. The other 90% don't. But who's making all the money? Love of money is the root of all evil. This guy, Mike Benz, is on X. He says, can someone riddle me this? Why are these people in the hospital for pneumonia if they, quote, have no symptoms of pneumonia? I'll tell you why. <laughs> he probably knows. You know, it's a rhetorical question. They treat human beings like chattel just to use you to make money off of you. They want you to be on as many meds as possible that are maintenance meds. That means you take them regularly, and that way you're on them for life most of the time. They never get you off of them. If they do, they can take you off this one to put you on that one. But then what they really like is when you take this one, and because of this one, you need to also take that one because this one's causing this problem that that one will fix. And then those two together combined, you know, make your blood pressure go up. And so you go on blood pressure medicine. Then you need statins, and then you all of a sudden have diabetes. And you're taking a, you're walking around with a tray with all your pills. That's what they're doing to millions of Americans who don't need it. Again, I'm sure there's 10% or so of them do need all that help. The rest, and there's what it's all about. It's control, money. Everyone will have to take a mark in order to buy, sell, or trade, and you'll be in the system. It'll be, and that's what that, that you know, the movie Matrix. You know, it's all Orwell's 1984, you know, Brave New World by Huxley, all these things. You, when you read them, they're all, they've all got their strong suits as far as explaining Re Revelation 13. So we continue our study of 2 Thessalonians 2 with a close look at the call to stand fast. Stand fast. Let's read verse 15 in 2 Thessalonians 2. If you're there, read it with me. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Amen? Amen. And uh, that's a mouthful. That's why we're going to park there tonight. Our text gives us an opportunity to make some important clarifications, very important clarifications, as you'll see if you didn't pick it up as we read it. Starts out there, though, saying, Therefore, brethren, stand fast. That's kind of a, a probably a two-word combination you don't find in any other language. I'm not sure. I don't know any other languages. I can read Greek and Pig Latin, but uh, I don't think that stand fast is exactly that same phraseology, but it's fun asking kids to demonstrate this. I was teaching young people, and I, and I said, all right, count of three. I'll, I, I, said, I'll, no, I just said, I'll point at you. When I point at you, show me how to stand fast. And so I pointed at the first kid, and he's like, you know, jumps up and says, and at the point of the second one, he's like, mm. 
you know. And the point of the third one is like afraid he's going to hurt somebody, you know. <laughs> and it's just fun because then, you know, after several attempts, I explained to him that standing is fast, standing in a spiritual sense, not standing up fast or whatever came to their mind. But uh, you may have wondered, what does it mean, stand fast? It's defined in our text and in other texts. We'll compare Scripture with Scripture. Verse 15, as we read there, Therefore, brethren, stand fast. And what's it say? And hold the traditions which, have been, which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. You say, well, that, I read that. I see what it says, but you may not grasp fully what it means. Hence, I think what we call Bible study. <laughs> and what we're going to do tonight, I hope it's starting, especially those of you who've been coming for a while, maybe you already have done this for years. But if not, you start to pick up. This is just a typical way to understand the Bible, what we're going to do tonight. And while this is such a basic truth, I'm sure if I ask you, you'd say, yeah, I understand that. Think of how many professing Christians that you've known who failed to stand fast. And why did they fail to stand fast? Maybe no one ever explained it. Maybe they didn't understand what it meant. Maybe they didn't understand how to stand fast. We'll see. God uses His own commandments as the standard of standing fast. You'll see. Let's go over to Psalm 111. Job and then Psalms 111. Of course, some of you are using your phones and you're just like tap, 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 and there I am. Psalm 111, verses 6 through 8. Give you a second to get there because I want you to see this. Beginning verse 6. I'll read that. He hath showed his people the power of his works, that he may give them the heritage of the heathen. <laughs> That's a mouthful there. Read 7 and 8 with me. The works of his hands are verity and judgment. All his commandments are sure. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. What's, what stands fast? The commandments. God's Word. They stand fast forever and ever. If you want to stand fast, you have got to be all about the Bible. Um, we appreciate and love the truths about of course, Jesus himself. But how do you know Jesus? The Bible tells you what you know. Amen? Amen? If you go based on your own opinion or what some relative or some friend of yours tells you, they may be right, but they may be wrong. How do you know which is right, which is wrong? Acts 17, 11. Search the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. So everything, even when you hear something about Jesus from a preacher, from a friend, from a neighbor, from a coworker, whoever, the only way you know if it's true is if you go to His Word and confirm what you've been told. Uh, who was it? Reagan, President Reagan said, "Trust but verify." Good Christian verifies. Period. I'll listen, but I don't trust anybody. I don't trust you people, <laughs> and you shouldn't trust me. I mean, in as much as you listen and you learn, but you should verify everything I'm teaching. Now, a lot of times I'm verifying it as we go along, and that's what most of what you're going to hear in this pulpit, you're going to hear it verified as we go. And that's the way it ought to be. But sometimes I might say something, and other teachers say something, and not take the time to verify it. 
And in those cases, especially, you better verify it by God's Word. And if you don't do it, then you'll find yourself not standing fast, but falling fast. A lot of people that you know who have been professing Christians and have failed to stand fast, it's because they did not stand upon the Word of God, and they, instead of standing fast, they fall fast. Peter described Paul's letters, pointing out that those who fail to follow them and uh, end up failing to stand fast. Let's look at that, 2 Peter. Turn over in your New Testament, 2 Peter. Chapter 3, verses 15 to 17. And I'll read verse 15 while you're turning there. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. So he's talking about the epistles of Paul there. We have those Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews. And look at what verse 16, 17 says. Read 16 with me. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Now look at that. It says that some of it's hard to understand. So when people sell you a new Bible version and say, oh, it's easier to understand it, well, it must not be Paul's writings, it must not be the Word of God, because it says, no matter what, it's, you know, what language? And it, what if you know French and you read it in French? Guess what? It's still going to be, as he says here, hard to be understood. Should we change it? That's what's happening. And I contend, I think as I might have said Sunday or last Wednesday, recently, I believe that's why we're seeing so many churches turn into cesspools. And so many Christians doing and saying things that 20 years ago you'd never dream you'd see them do. Christians are doing things that, Christians I know, I knew in the, since the time I got saved, in the 90s and early 2000s, stood firm on the Word of God. And now, fast forward, and I look at what they're doing, I can't believe what I'm seeing. How did that happen? Instead of sticking to the Scriptures, even though they're hard to understand at times, it is. They've, they are unlearned and unstable, and they rest those scriptures. What do you think? I mean, what better? Yes, sometimes they just take what Bible they have, and they pull it out of context. That's true. But a lot of these new versions, all they've done is taken the true word out of the text and filled it in with something that's not even close. Read verse 17 now with me. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. So there it is again. Why do people fall? Uh, people ask me about uh, 
you know, some people we all know in my family and people that have been a part of BBF in the past are now not serving the Lord. How do they fall? Well, it's not that difficult, not that complicated. You just put the book down and start following your own opinion, following other people, following this and that, and not following the Word of God. You're done. That's all it takes. I can look at everybody here now, everybody that ever comes to be able to look them in the eye and I can see you're standing for the word, standing fast, God bless you, but if you put the book down, it'd be a matter of time, you'll be right out there with the rest of them. And you're looking at one right here. I commit myself to the book, but if I choose one day and decide I'm not gonna do it anymore, I'm gonna put the book down. There have been preachers who did uh, you know, what was right for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, even 40 and 50 years. Then something happens, and instead of trusting the Lord and continuing to follow Him, they toss the book aside. Carlton Pearson, he's charismatic, so his, his doctrine's always been off. But back when I got saved, I heard him preach. Man, he preached the gospel. And he'd be real, you know, wild about it, running, running around, you know, and all that. He's a little guy, looked like Prince if he was a preacher, you know. How many of you know Carlton Pearson? You know?